Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the sea shore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. 
By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured to sing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Verses 1 through 40, Hebrews chapter 11. Father, we thank you, Lord, for that wonderful and powerful chapter of Hebrews 11 that reminds us that you call us, we your children, to simply walk by faith and not by sight. You call us to obey you in faith, to follow you in faith, to listen to you in faith, and to live obedient lives in faith. And help us to know, Lord, that the work you call us to is you're inviting us to step into your eternal purposes as we simply trust you and obey you and follow you. Father, thank you for the chance we have to serve you daily, to be involved in the spiritual warfare of life, knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and that we can walk in victory as we learn to trust and rely fully upon you. Thank you for your wonderful word and the ways it prepares us, guides us, builds us, strengthens us, and equips us for the battlefields of life. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Rick Robertson is our producer. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Father, we join our brother Paul in saying, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we lift high your name today. We praise you. What a kind God you are. What a loving God. What a a just God you are. We exalt you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you again for being a part of our listening family. We want to continue to remind you. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We gladly and are grateful to get a chance to share discipleship uh, materials and resources, uh, evangelism materials and resources, and just a number of other tools that you can use for your own spiritual growth, for you in the discipling of your family, but also tools to help you be involved in the work of evangelism and discipleship as well. All of these are things that God calls us as his people, his children, to be involved with as a lifestyle. 
simply following him faithfully. So just email me at joseph at afr.net and let us know you'd like to receive some of the evangelism and discipleship and prayer tools that we provide, resources. We're glad to share them with you. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to introduce our special guest today uh, who happens to be the director of a pregnancy clinic. But before we do, I want to share a passage of Scripture of courageous women that stood up for babies. I want to share from Exodus chapter 1 and a portion of chapter 2. Exodus chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Exodus chapter 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her, maid, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Again, that was Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 to 22, and Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Again, we're, you're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our phone guest today is Deborah Costello. She's the director of First Choice Pregnancy Services in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Deborah, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, we're so grateful that you could take time. I know you keep a probably a very busy schedule with the work that you do there with First Choices, though. But would you take a moment just to further introduce yourself? And then shortly, we're going to get into talking more about First Choices and its mission. Yeah. Um, like I said, my name is Deborah Costello. I am a wife of a police officer here in Las Vegas, or detective. I am a mother of four children, um, ages 
6, 14, 11, and 8. Those are my busy keepers right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, I am the executive director at First Choice Pregnancy Services um, for the time being, kind of leading that ship and um, doing as God has me for a time such as this. I don't know. I, I've been on our board of directors for the past seven years, and... Last year, they asked me if I would step in for eight weeks while we looked for a new executive director. That was May of 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's here a long I am. eight weeks. So, Yeah, it was the longest eight weeks of my life when they said, how about just staying here doing this? And I said, well, I, can't de- I definitely can't do this full time, but um, I do feel that God has me where I am at this particular juncture. I don't know how long that will be, but as of right now, it's through this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, again, we're grateful that you could be with us today to share about the work. I want to ask if you'll take a moment now. There, there's some listeners who may w- want to know what is a pregnancy clinic. They've heard the term maybe, but don't really know. Can you define for our listeners what a pregnancy clinic is? Well, your average pregnancy um, center is generally nonprofit. All pregnancy centers are generally nonprofit, so they're funded through the generous contributions of individuals, churches, and businesses who value what they do, who love life, often those who love Jesus. Um, Many of them offer quite an array of resources, uh, classes, material goods, um, all their services free of charge. I think it's somewhere over, a little over 20% of them offer ultrasounds. Which I think that number is is climbing right now, especially with Roe. I think people are are much more um, urgent to get the medical side established. At first choice, we're very laser focused focused in the services that we offer. So, Deborah, I'm going to have to, have to jump in here. We're going to pick up right there on the other side of the break. Our phone guest today is Deborah Costello. She's the director of First Choice Pregnancy Services in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be right back.
Planet Shakers with Only Way, reminding us that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life and salvation. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our phone guest today is Deborah Costello. She's the director of First Choice Pregnancy Services in Las Vegas, Nevada. Deborah, if you'll pick up where you left off there, please. I think there was just mentioning that we're laser focused in the services we offer. Um, we offer free pregnancy testing, free ultrasound, post-abortive counseling. We also um, do abortion reversals. There's two different types of abortion reversals we've done. One form of abortion reversal is removing laminaria sticks when it's a second to third trimester abortion and the process is already underway. Um, our doctor has had those removed before. The lady had to stay on bed rest. She was five and a half months pregnant, but was able to continue that pregnancy till full term and the baby was fine. Um, last year, we did over 60 abortion pill reversals. A lot of people aren't familiar with that, but with abortion on the, on the rise um, with the chemical form of abortion, uh, there are a lot more young ladies that are turning and looking for options to help them reverse the process that they've begun. Mm-hmm. So that is another free service that we offer. Um, we do very limited baby services as far as maternal items. When we have a gal that is positive with the test, we give her a little gift bag that has a blanket, a couple diapers, a little pair of booties, and a little hat. Uh, Deborah, just to help that, yes. just a quick question: Would you, for just a moment, would you go back to the uh, reversals? Could you explain why that is even needed, and how the reality is that sometimes women, why why they even pursue reversals? What what are the circumstances that bring that about? Yeah. So with uh, COVID happening twenty twenty, um, the vast majority, over half of abortions now have gone to the pill. It used to be the abortion pill. It used to be used up until the eighth week. Um, They extended that up until the 10th week now. So you have these young ladies that are going online and they're seeking abortions. There are some organizations now that are providing these pills online, which don't require them to go in for any type of medical visit, they haven't had an ultrasound done. So they're really kind of um, shooting in the dark, giving them a date of how far along they think they are. These organizations um, or businesses sell them these pills. They take these pills having no idea if their pregnancy is viable, if they're farther along in their pregnancy. And I'll give you a story. Last year, when I first started on site, we had a young lady that called us, and she had just taken the first pill, and she started having anxiety attacks, and she was starting to cramp a little bit, and she just wanted to reverse what she had started. And as I sat there and I thought about it, I thought, wow, what a terrifying um, situation to be in when You're sitting at home taking a pill and you're just waiting for your baby to die so that you could take another pill to expel your baby. 
and to be doing it at home alone. And so the the abortion reversals that our doctors, our doctor and other doctors are doing with regards to abortion pill, if they're if they're able to reach that young lady within a good early window of time when they've taken that, they can prescribe them the medication that will counter the medication they've taken mm-hmm. so that that baby can live. So, so the way that pill works is they take it and it deprives the baby of its food and nutrients it needs to, to grow. And so it pretty much starves it. And then the next pill that they take expels mm-hmm. that baby. Mm-hmm. So, so if we can, sorry, I, I was just going to say. So in other words, sometimes young women will take the pill in order to abort the baby, but then they, for whatever reason, they regret their decision. They want to see if there's a way to stop it from doing what it does in killing the baby, and that's what where the reversal comes in. Correct? Yeah. When when they sit there, you know, when you have a surgical abortion, you go in and they put you under. Mm-hmm. And you come out and there's no going back. Right. So this other one, just psychologically and mentally, as I've thought about it, um, I just can't imagine starting that process and then having a good 24, 36, 48 hours to sit there and just think about what you've done, mm-hmm. um, which is often why a lot of these girls will, will start seeking for a way that they can try to reverse the process of what they've started. Mm-hmm. Well, Deborah, would you take a moment now specifically to pray for uh, women who, well, for the church as a whole, because again, there's so much the church can and should do in support and working with pregnancy clinics like yours to help uh, attack some of these tragic uh, decisions that are made in darkness and as a result of the work of darkness at work in the lives and the minds of individuals. But Prayer for the, the, the church as a whole, but also for women who some of which might find themselves in that very position even as we speak. But would you pray for them at this time? Sure. Father, we, we pray that you would um, open ears, Lord, open minds, open hearts of those particularly, Lord, who lead these congregations. We pray that you would... Um, cause them to take up this torch, Lord, to speak on the issue of life, to speak on the issue of abortion, Lord, um, that it would not only help to save the lives of the unborn, Lord, but that it would reach the women that are often sitting in their pews, Lord, that are seeking abortions themselves. Um, We pray that they would speak on this topic, Lord, and that it would also reach those women who are struggling that are post-abortive, Lord, that haven't experienced the hope and healing and forgiveness that comes only through you. We just pray that you would cause them to be men of courage, Lord, that they would um, speak up for those being led to the slaughter, and that through that, many lives would be touched and saved, Lord, and that your kingdom would be expanded through the truth that is shared with those ladies in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. You know, Deborah, as you share about just the whole reality of chemical abortions and then abortion reversals, these are areas that some people know little or nothing about. Yet again, it's one more area of spiritual warfare that's actually very intense going on in our culture Mm -hmm. today 
and it's important for the church to be praying for individuals who are dealing with some of these issues, praying that they would hear the truth and walk in the truth and 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 thus be uh, have a end up with a good outcome as opposed to the tragedy of having lost a baby and then uh, dealing with the the guilt that follows as well. So, but I wanted to ask if you um, maybe have some stories or testimonies that come to your mind that help listeners to better understand why a ministry like First Choice Pregnancy Services is so important that it be there doing the work God has called you to do. Yeah, I have so many stories. I have a story that's only like two weeks old, actually, that um, really ties into the importance of pregnancy centers and churches. I was coming home from a funeral two weekends ago, but I had um, an iPhone, so I was able to iMessage with somebody, and somebody texted me and said, you need to hear what happened today. And it was a gal that volunteers at our center that I go to church with. And she had been standing at the front door being a greeter that day, and this young lady walked in with a little baby. It was about a year and a half. And she started talking to her, and the lady didn't really say anything about her background. And as she walked with her to the nursery and got to the nursery, um, the lady ended up mentioning that she knew another one of our volunteers um, that is a stenographer. And she goes to church here with us at Liberty. And so that kind of led into another conversation that was a little deeper. And this lady... This gal had come into first choice two years ago to abort her baby, Um, didn't have good circumstances surrounding her situation. But as she came in and got her free ultrasound and connected with the stenographer, um, she ended up changing her mind and she chose life. And she said God had been working on her over the past year. She'd been looking for a church and she'd passed here several times and She told this gal, this is the baby that I had come into you guys to abort. And so my daughter was working in the nursery here at church on Sunday, and she said, Mom, I had this little baby that was a first-choice baby I was taking care of today. (laughs) And I was like, wow, um, full circle, you know. My my daughter is now taking care of a little baby in the nursery that his mother, his mother walked in seeking to abort him. Praise God. And that mm. just shows the importance of God's people being involved and churches participating and supporting pregnancy centers. Pregnancy centers across the country struggle very often and very regularly with the lack of support, the lack of willingness for pastors to um, really get behind them and support them to encourage their flock to step up to join that fight. Um, and sometimes it's a very lonely and isolating circumstance and situation that some of these pregnancy centers deal with, uh, just because we all know in the nonprofit world, it's a hard world, um, often to navigate, Mm -hmm. especially when you add different things like COVID or you add the issue of abortion that, that people don't like to touch. So, um, that that's just that was just one that happened very recently that 
was really encouraging to me. You know, my church, thankfully, has been very active and engaged in their support of First Choice. And Mm. several gals have ended up coming to church here that have come into First Choice seeking to abort their children. And so when churches don't necessarily see why they should, um, my pastor says, you guys have you guys have an incredible mission field. Mm-hmm. We have to go out and seek people, and these people are actually coming to you. You don't even have to go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's a goldmine for, for churches to be a part of being involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directly impacting lives, both here on earth and in heaven. Um you know, and if a pastor hasn't been involved in this or or even um, considered it, I'd encourage any of them to go down to your local pregnancy center, go take a tour, go see what they're doing, get just a little bit of an idea of what a day in their world looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, and we often try to convey things through words and it's not always the easiest thing to do when you have a pastor that comes hands-on, um, on-site. It's, it gives them a better understanding even of of how to pray for you, um, maybe mm. what the best way is for their church to engage with you. Mm. And, you, and, you know, uh, you, you've touched on so many important things there. Um, the fact is the the— Life issue is certainly a huge mission field that needs so much more support, the prayer support, the financial support, just the presence support, the volunteer support from the church, and so much that the church can do if they'll get involved with working with them. And many don't realize how much evangelism and discipleship happens at your typical pregnancy clinic as well. Would you you touch on that? Yes. So when you, so I'm going to just kind of walk through the process to give people a little bit of idea what we do, which is mm-hmm. pretty similar to probably the majority of what most pregnancy centers do. Mm-hmm. So when a young lady walks in the doors of a pregnancy center, they generally fill out a request for services form. And then that kind of gives the counselor an idea of what they might be looking for, a little bit about their background. So on ours, we have a very u- unique location where First Choice is located out here in Las Vegas. We are on a private drive that ends in a cul-de-sac. And at the end of our cul-de-sac is a late-term abortion clinic that does abortions up through the sixth month of pregnancy here in the state of Nevada. So we have a little box that they can check that says abortion information if they're looking for an abortion. And that generally gives us an idea of uh, what we're walking into. Deborah, I'm going to have to jump in once again, and we'll pick up right there on the other side of the break. Our phone guest today is Deborah Costello. She's the director of First Choice Pregnancy Services Ministry in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be right back. you 
music of Rebecca St. James with Kingdom Come. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our phone guest today, Deborah Costello. She's the director of First Choice Pregnancy Services in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Deborah, if you'll pick up where you left off as you were sharing about the process women go through when they come to the clinic. Yes. Yeah, so after um, we get the intake form from the, the request, request for services form, one of our counselors, which is often a volunteer because many of the pregnancy centers are staffed by volunteers. We have about 30 volunteers at First Choice that are incredible women um, that are just very mission-driven and focused in serving the Lord. So one of them will take that form. They'll take them back to a counseling room, and they will go through it, kind of find out their background, their information, um, if they've had any pregnancies before, what, how those pregnancies have ended, or if they have children, um, what the uh, father of that baby wants them to do with that pregnancy, if he has any other children himself, if they know if he's had other abortions. Um, and we, we ask them what their religious background is, if they go to church, and kind of, kind of try to get a good overall understanding of what their life is like um, so that we can know what would be the most beneficial and helpful ways to reach them. And in, in helping them in that way, it also helps you to develop a rapport with that, that young lady. Uh, which opens the door to being able to talk about Christ and invite those girls that you're dealing with to come to church. Um, a lot of our gals will go and we'll get little gospel tracts and give those to them. They'll continue on conversations with them outside of First Choice. Sometimes they'll become their friend through texting. Other times they'll go and they'll... We had a, a, a prominent doctor in town whose wife... Um, they were they were considering getting divorced because they just didn't have a good relationship. But she had been waiting till their child got old enough to leave to college. It, it, it's the child is in their late teens, and then she found out a few months ago that she was pregnant. And so she told her her husband, "I'm going to get an abortion." He said, "Go do whatever you got to do." Well, she came down our street thinking we were the abortion clinic. Um, God providentially sent her into our doors instead of the clinic across the street. And she came in and she she just said, well, I really need a friend. And she just really connected with this client advocate that we have. She, she volunteers with us full time. She's post-abortive. And God uses her post-abortive story in such a powerful way for women who are post-abortive. Um, don't let the devil use that to to shut you down, um, to shame you, to live in um, that that state of regret. And um, th- those stories that that post-abortive women have are often the most powerful stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to get post-abortive women, um, our counselors. We try to make sure we're matching them with those different girls that are seeking an abortion because someone like myself, I mean, God can use anybody even if they don't have a post-abortive story. But those women who have done that and have lived through that, God uses them in such mighty ways to save so many babies' lives as a result of the choices they've made. So this lady came in, ended up connecting with this client advocate, 
and um, just recently ended up having her baby, and she texted her such a sweet text. But she would go, and she would meet up with that lady for coffee and just be that encouragement to that lady that was in such a really isolated situation, both in her marriage um, and just as somebody who was lonely that didn't really have any friends. Mm. Um, so if they if they come in and they're seeking an abortion that day, we have two ultrasound rooms that go full time. We just opened up a third sonography room um, to be able to accommodate those that are walking in seeking an abortion because they're not going to wait if they have to wait. Um, if they're not actively seeking an abortion at that moment, then they come back. I understand a lot of pregnancy centers don't do that volume of of ultrasounds that we do, but that's kind of the process that that people go through when they come in of just, you know, kind of figuring out what their circumstances are. If there's places that you can refer them to for material services, help them to get their prenatal care, give them a verification form and, and whatever they need to go to go sign up for those services that are available, really to just educate them at, on life. Um, mm-hmm. We share videos with them. We ask them to watch a video. We'll oftentimes ask them to watch a video that we feel is most relevant to their situation. They'll, they'll sign off on that and give them the remote, and we tell them if at any point you decide you don't want to watch it, you're, you're welcome to turn it off. But the videos we offer, uh, we have some that are fetal development, so it shows them how the life is developing within them. We have um, gospel ones. We have one that has three different women that one has chosen adoption, one chose to single parent, one chose abortion, and they talk about how they live with those choices. We have a doctor explains an abortion procedure. We also have another one, Choice Blues, that is an actual abortion um, that is being performed. And I know a lot of the pro-life movement is very opposed to using graphic imagery, uh, but we find that it's very successful, and it's one of the best tools at our disposal to advocate for that baby because there is no um, substitute for the reality of what that is when people are making that choice. Mm. And so a lot of times these girls will choose to watch that abortion video because many of them have no idea what it is, what to expect, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And God really uses that video oftentimes before they even get to sonography to really start working within their heart and changing their mind just because the horrors and reality of what that is um, can't be conveyed through words. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, so, now you two, I wanted to ask you that. Uh, a stenographer, is that the same as an ultrasound tech? Is that correct? Yeah, that's the same thing. Uh-huh. Okay, okay then. So oh. sometimes those are sometimes those are nurses. Sometimes they're sonographers. Sometimes they're um, radiologist folks. Sometimes they're nurse, nurse practitioners. If you have any type of medical background, mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, you can get those ladies trained up. They can come in and use their medical background to help save lives. If you're a nurse or any medical profession out there check in with your local pregnancy center. Mm, okay. Well, in our remaining time, do you have maybe another story or two that you can share with us that help us to better grasp the wonderful work that your center and pregnancy clinics like you do? 
Well, we have, uh, I have a story from a couple weeks ago. I love to go into stenography um, just to sit there and sh- we have chaperones. So chaperone is not there in a setting of the ultrasound to say anything necessarily to those clients that are in there. It is just to be a witness and to sit there and, and, and be an intercessor um, as they watch the situation unfold. And so a couple of weeks ago, I went in um, because they needed a, a, a somebody to come in and chaperone. And I didn't have any idea what I was walking into. I got to the door and I said, hold on, before I go in here, what is this lady considering? And they said, she wants an abortion. So I walked in and there was her boyfriend sitting on the side of her. And the sonographer turned on the the Doppler. Well, she turned on the the ultrasound first. And she's running it across the lady's stomach. And there's a, a eight-week baby. For those of you who don't know what an eight-week baby looks like, it's about two inches, probably close to two inches long. And the sonographer says, there's your little gummy bear. And you could see a really strong little heartbeat. And I said, look at that little ticker. And I explained to the people, that you, you see that little flicker? And they said, yeah. And she said, that's the heartbeat. And so it didn't seem to phase these people at that time that that this was their baby. It didn't didn't seem to phase them. And so our stenographer then turned on the Doppler and she put it right on top of that heart and you started hearing the the strong little heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And the mother's eyes started to flutter and she swallowed really hard. And I could tell that that heartbeat was what had changed their situation right there. Just Mm -hmm. the reality of what they were considering doing um, became more real to them. And so we got done with that um, ultrasound and I walked out and as I was walking to my office about five five minutes later, I saw the guy sitting out in our lobby and his hands, his, his hands were holding his head. His head was down by his knees. And I just thought, I wonder what the story is here. So I went into our office and I said, hey, what's the story with the, the ultrasound that I was just a part of chaperoning for? And they said, well, this young couple has been together for several years, and they decided when they got together that they would abort at any time that they got pregnant. They weren't. They decided not to use any form of chemical contraceptives, although we don't encourage that either. Um, and so in 2020, she had had her first abortion, and she had actually had to travel out of state. She was 32 weeks pregnant, which is about eight months. And she had aborted that child. And then last year, she had got pregnant again and had aborted that child that was 18 weeks pregnant. And then here she was again, eight weeks pregnant now, wanting to abort this child. And I firmly believe from watching their reaction to it that they they never saw the ultrasound of their other children before. And so you had this now eight-week baby that was so much smaller than the other children that they had aborted, yet they saw the development of it and they heard that heartbeat. Um, and so 
you know, you don't know necessarily always the outcomes of those stories. They left unsure what they were going to do. I don't know that they've come back yet for any ultrasound. We often ask them to come back if they're unsure. Um, but you, you see that you see when you're in this type of setting in pregnancy centers that there are many women who use this as a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of educating them as to the life within them, God's plan for them, what God expects, um, mm-hmm. and really letting them know, you know, there's an eternity that awaits all of us and our choices and the lifestyles that we live, there's consequences for those. And so um, we had one last week that came in, and she had— Deborah, I'm, um, I'm sorry. Had, our time is just about gone here. Oh, so okay. Do you want to share your website so if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about your center? Sure. Our website is scpsfriends.org. That's scpsfriends.org, First Choice Pregnancy Services. Friends.org is what that stands for. And our phone number, if you'd like to call and talk to anybody, is 702-294-2273, 702-294-CARE. All right. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. again. Thank you for being with us today. And as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to be saved. If you want to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus... Thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrongs I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we invite you to get in touch with us. My email, joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature that will help you to begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord. Deborah, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing about the great work and mission of First Choice Pregnancy Services. Thank you for having me. God bless you. All right. And we invite all of our listeners, please pray much for Deborah Costello and the ministry and the great mission and work of the First Choice Pregnancy Services and find out what your local, where your local pregnancy clinic is and pray for them and become a supporter of them as well with your prayers and your finances. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.